Amen. So uh, the title of the lesson today is Trying Something New. Uh, we're going to continue in our Rocky series, and uh, which really, you know, we're sort of talking about Rocky Balboa, but not exactly. Uh, Jesus uh, nicknamed Simon Peter uh, you know, for Petra, which means rock, and we just took that a step further to talk about Rocky. You know, and as I was kind of preparing for the sermon, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And I'm like, man, I'd really love to show some Rocky clips. And as I'm like looking through every scene with uh, with Rocky's trainer uh, Mick, you know, he he's like so vulgar. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't exactly, I can't exactly do that. And then the ones that he's not in, and it's just Rocky, I'm like, yeah, and those are super violent. I can't do that either. So I'm just gonna talk about them a little bit. But you know. <laughs> I didn't want, uh, you know, the elders emailing Tracy and saying, like, you wouldn't believe what the campus minister did while you were gone, you know. Uh, he had Mick up there, and he was swearing, and uh, yeah, that's no good. Uh, but, so, if you know the Rocky series and the plot line of Rocky II, you know, he had, uh, Rocky had fought uh, Apollo Creed, and, uh, you know, close match, sort of, uh, Apollo you know, he gave him a pretty good beating, but Rocky did way better than anyone would have expected, right? And it starts off with wanting to have this rematch uh, with Apollo Creed. At first, Mickey's, uh, Mickey, the trainer, he's like, no, no, I'm not going to train you. Uh, you've got a bad eye, you know, that he received from the first bout. He's like, I'm not going to do it. But then there's this news conference, and uh, Apollo is basically just calling out Rocky, making fun of him, saying it was a fluke, and that gets Mickey a little angry, right? And he's like, no, we're going to fight this bum, you know? And, he's like, hey, and, and so on public television, now he's getting furious. He's like, no, we're going to do this. But in order to be able to protect the eye you know, that, that is injured, Rocky's going to have to move out of his comfort zone. He's going to have to try something new. He's a southpaw. But in order to protect his face, he's going to have to fight as a right-handed uh, fighter. And so this is going to be totally different for him, totally, uh, just totally out of his comfort zone. Uh, Mickey does a whole lot of other you know, weird things. He has him chasing around a chicken. Uh, and he's like, if you can catch that, you can catch Grease Lightning. You know, and he's like, yelling at him. Uh, and then up at Rocky's stand, they're like, well, I got to do this, Mick. Uh, I, think, I think the exact quote is like, um, uh, I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> like, where, did, where did he come up with these lines? But um, even though this training was tough, the training was tough, Rocky went through this for a goal so that he could then you know, be victorious at the end. Sorry if I gave uh, you know, away the ending, but it's been out for a number of years, so I don't think spoiler alert uh, applies in this instance. Go ahead and turn over uh, to Matthew 28 in your Bibles. We're talking about trying something new, uh, and uh, particularly as it pertains uh, to evangelism. Uh, that's kind of what our focus is this year, uh, really just being able to be better as a church uh, when it comes to reaching out to our friends, our family, our neighbors, strangers. How do we do this in an effective way to glorify God? Uh, this is a verse a lot of us know, Matthew 28, verse 18. And it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end 
of the age. You know, we know this verse well. It's ingrained into our memories. And because that's the case, uh, it actually could be pretty easy for us to let it become old, right? Hey, we know I'm a disciple of Christ. This is my mission. This is my life's work. It's the most important thing. And yet, you know, sometimes we can forget. Um, we know that sharing this message is important. Uh, we know that it's necessary, but that doesn't necessarily make it easy. You know, there's a lot of people that look at the idea of sharing their faith uh, and talking about Jesus, and their, their hearts begin to pound a little bit. Uh, they, they, they get a little bit nervous. They start thinking things like, well, what if I invite somebody to church or talk to them about this vulnerable aspect of my life, and they say no, or say, I don't want anything to do with that. What then? You know, people can think that it's overwhelming. They say, you know, when am I ever going to find time to do this? Like, there's so many people out here. How am I going to, like, go out and, and really, you know, be able to find somebody that even wants this? You know, it just seems too complicated. Okay, let's say I do get somebody that says, yes, I do want to know more about Jesus. Now what do I do with them? Like, where do I go next? And so, you know, we find ourselves in this trial, and it's, it's a difficult situation. Uh, we're, we're confused. We don't really know how to overcome the hurdle. And so maybe it's, it's a time for us to be a little bit like Rocky, uh, put ourselves out of our comfort zone, try something new. Spiritually, you might need to trade in your left hook for a right jab so you can get out of the corner, back into the ring. Uh, but because we're talking about Peter, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll not talk about Rocky so much anymore. Go over to Acts 2. Uh, we're going to talk about Peter the Rock. And we're going to be looking at four things that Peter does in Acts 2 uh, that really are effective ways to share the gospel with people that are around him. Uh, he's specifically preaching a message, uh, but my encouragement to you is to grab onto just one of these things and say, yes. I need to do a little bit more of that, a little bit more of what Peter did, put myself out of my comfort zone and try something new. Uh, we'll start off in the beginning of Acts 2, verse 1. This is when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so at the end of the book of Luke, right, uh, the apostles are told by Jesus that they should wait in Jerusalem until they're clothed with power from on high. So they're sitting in the house, and this thing begins to happen, and it wasn't a complete surprise. Would it have been amazing? Absolutely. Did they really know what Jesus was saying when he says, you're going to be clothed with power on high? Uh, they're like, uh, maybe not. But they know something is happening, something big, something different. And I'm sure that when you know, the house started to shake, and the Holy Spirit's coming down, and there's tongues of fire, and now they're able to speak all, the, like, all these different languages. They're probably looking at each other and going, it's happening! Right now, it's happening! Jesus said this was going to happen, and now it's happening! And they probably got pretty excited. Uh, a miracle is obviously taking place. It allows these guys to speak in languages that they didn't ever know before. And they're now experiencing something that they know would be impossible without the Spirit of God. You know, when, I, when I think about effective witnessing, uh, you know, being able to effectively go out 
and tell people about the message of Christ, I really feel like the perfect model can be found in this chapter. We, we, we get to see everything that we really need to know when it comes to telling our friends about Jesus. This first principle of four, pray for the Holy Spirit to be involved. The Holy Spirit is incredible. And, it, you know, we talk about God a lot. We talk about Jesus a lot. I feel like uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't get as much playtime. Uh, but really, the Holy Spirit is incredible. Go over to John 14 real quick. I want to show you something. John 14, verse 26. If you're a disciple of Christ who has been baptized, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. You have it. You have the capability to tap into it and to listen to it. Whether or not you do that or not, it really comes down to you and how much you're listening to it. But check this out in John 14, verse 26. It says, But the Advocate, in some translations it says Helper, right? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Have you ever been in, uh, or been headed into a situation and you're maybe driving on the way there, uh, maybe you're walking there, you know you're about to have a difficult conversation with somebody and you don't know how it's going to go. You're like, I don't know how they're going to take this, I don't know what they're going to say, uh, and you know, this might be a friend, it might be you know, just somebody that you've planned to then sit down with and talk about spiritual things, but you have no idea how it's going to go. And because you're nervous and, you know, as you're getting closer, that nervousness is growing a little bit, you just throw up a little prayer and you say, Lord, give me the words I need to say because I don't, I don't know how this situation is going to go. And how many of us in those times, in those situations, then are filled with this peace and the conversation goes way better than we thought it ever could have gone? Like, wow, actually that went pretty well. Uh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. They didn't, you know, flip a table and uh, punch a hole in the wall and yell at me. You know, they, that, that went all right. You know, what I think is happening there, if you're a disciple, it's that the Holy Spirit is helping you. It's giving you the words to say. What does this verse say? It says that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us this uh, capability, this uh, Really, it's a power and a strength to be able to recall things about God and who He is so that in those moments of difficult times, you have the wisdom to say what you need to say. But what does that mean? Uh, it means that you can't, in those situations, rely on yourself and your own wisdom because if you do, then you're really hijacking the power that the Holy Spirit would have otherwise provided you in that situation. You have to go to God and say, Lord, help me. And when we do, uh, more often than not, that's, that's going to turn out well in our favor. Uh, by ourselves, you know, we naturally gravitate towards the sinful nature. Uh, and Galatians 5 talks about that. In campus, we've been talking about Galatians 5 a lot. But that's okay, because you guys are going to get it by the end of the semester. Uh, there's, there's the Holy Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit, and there's the sinful nature. These things are acting contrary to one another. What's in Galatians 5? There's two big things, right? You've got the fruits of the Spirit, but then you also have like a big list of sins, <laughs> right? And so those things are contrary to one another. They're fighting against one another. 
And our nature is that we want to gravitate towards that big list of things. But then the Holy Spirit says that the fruit of living by the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and faithfulness and all of these things that are fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we, how often do we say, well, I want to be peaceful, I want to be joyful, I want to be happy, I want to be loving, and we start with that, and then we're like, oh, and then that will allow me to live by the Spirit. No, no, you live by the Spirit, and a fruit of living by the Spirit is all of those things. Now, apply that concept to the idea of sharing your faith. Inviting the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, I need your help. By myself, I cannot do this. But lead me. Allow me to do this for you, for your glory. Uh, think about Galatians 5.22. We can go there real quick. But the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these things, there is no law. Imagine your evangelism in light of the fruits of the Spirit. You're motivated to talk to people by love. You're motivated to talk to people because you're so joyful about delivering the message of Christ. Because you're first following the Spirit, and then it makes everything else go so much easier. There's this sense of thankfulness, this gratefulness, where you're like, man, I just I can't wait to tell people about this. Because I'm doing it the Spirit's way. Think about being faithful, knowing that God's going to put somebody in your path. Think about being gentle and self-controlled when someone says, what? Get out of here. There's no way I want to spend my time doing that. And I don't run into those people too often, at least not here. In New England, every day. <laughs> I felt like uh, people in New England were like, I w I'm not going to waste my time with that. And you know, people would tell me things so blatantly like, get out of my face. But in general, in general, that's not happening, right? Uh, people are going to respectfully decline or whatever else. But guys, try something new. When you're thinking about your evangelism, think about letting the Holy Spirit guide you. And then the fruit of that is that it's going to be a joyful and peaceful and awesome uh, really situation. And, and it's going to be great. Uh, let's go on to a second principle here. Uh, go over to Acts 2 again, and we'll read in verse 5, and, and we'll uh, read through 13, I believe. The second principle is that we've got to take advantage of the situations that God supplies. Take advantage of the situations that God supplies. That's something that Peter does. Let's go ahead and read that in verse 5. It says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Wow, that's kind of convenient. You got Jews from the whole world? That's nice. They're all in one place. Okay, that's great. Let's talk to them. When they heard this sound, the sound of the Holy Spirit, right? A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, uh, Fri 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 I, I run out there, I don't know, I, I, I tried my best. Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, eh, they've had too much wine. Okay, wow, uh, what an opportunity you got Jews 
from the whole world celebrating this event together. Wow. <laughs> Every nation under heaven. That's crazy. Pentecost is a, is a big deal. It's this uh, harvest festival, and Jews everywhere were celebrating it and now coming to Jerusalem to celebrate it. Now, imagine what would, or how this story might be different if Peter didn't take advantage of this opportunity that was presented to him. The Holy Spirit comes down, it, it fills them all, they're speaking in all these languages, and they're like, wow, this is super cool, let's just stay in this room together. And then they didn't go outside to where all the people were in Pentecost and then use the languages that they were speaking to deliver the message of Christ by the Holy Spirit to all the people that were waiting and ready to hear it. This would be a very different story. We wouldn't have the 3,000 that were baptized later that day. You know, Peter didn't just decide to go home. He decided, man, I'm going to do this. And that might sound crazy to us, but it's actually pretty similar to situations that can happen to us. So, for example, um, what do I mean by that? We have big holidays, like Christmas and Easter, where people all of a sudden uh, start acting spiritual for what seems like no reason. You know, you walk into Starbucks and everybody's happy to see you, and they're like, I saw you three weeks ago and you were very grumpy. Uh, But now uh, you've got this holiday spirit and you're totally a different person. Right? But for whatever reason, you know, during those times, uh, tons of people come to church at Christmas. Tons of people come to church at Easter. Like, let's take advantage of those times. People are more ready to talk about it. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe this Easter is the Easter where somebody's going to really be able to connect with God in a way that they never have before. And maybe that's because you're following the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's because you're willing and ready to say, you know, I, I'm going to speak in this language that God has given me. I'm going to connect with this person. You know, we, we have similar situations like that. Let's take advantage of all the opportunities that are all around us. Uh, in, in a few weeks, we've got the chili cook-off coming. That's a great opportunity. Everybody likes chili. Uh, you know, it's just say, hey, our church is having this chili thing. Come and eat with us. Why not? Give it a shot. And maybe that's the thing where they look back years from now and they say, yeah, I remember when that goofy guy invited me to eat chili in a church. I mean, that was weird, but I'm so grateful for that because now my whole family is saved. You never know what God's going to use, but we have an opportunity. We, we split the group in two, right, so that we can all fit. We can all fit. We can bring our friends. It's a great opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Try something new. Get creative. Just open your mouth when you're in your regular life. (laughs) That's a great way that you can take advantage of the opportunities that are all around you. Uh, Go to Acts again. We're going to keep on reading here, verse 14. Uh, Next principle, use Scripture whenever you can. Uh, Use Scripture whenever you can. Uh, We'll read in verse 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Uh, Let's skip down to 21. And everyone who calls on the Lord's name will be saved. Uh, Peter had this great opportunity to address the crowd, and 
with that opportunity, what does he do? Uh, he's being led by the Spirit. He's taking advantage of the opportunity. But now he's using the prophet Joel to explain the message. And what he's saying is, guys, look, what's happening right now, this has been planned forever. This was God's plan from day one. Look, the prophet Joel talked about it, and now it's being fulfilled. I think our ability uh, to be able to use the word when we're witnessing to people, when we're uh, telling people about Christ, uh, it, it goes so far. It goes so far. It sets you apart. You know, there, there's a difference between necessarily, you know, inviting somebody to an event and then saying, can I read this scripture with you? Look, I know that you weren't planning on having this conversation now. And, and I'm all right with that if you're all right with that. But can I read this to you? Because it's so true. It's so right. It's so good. I mean, have you ever done that? Just give it a shot. You know, the Word of God speaks powerfully. And it's going to be able to speak way more powerfully than any of us are going to. Uh, we're not going to come up with some crazy, uh, you know, persuasive way that people are now going to become Christians because of how we phrase something. Just open the Bible with people and let them hear the Word of God. Let's go on ahead uh, to the last principle here, which is just to use your story. Use your story. You know, you want to use the Bible whenever you can, but there is definitely merit to being able to use your story. And we've begun to talk about that here. Uh, I know Trace has encouraged us all, you know, have your story broken down into like a three-minute segment so that you're able at any given time just to say, can I tell you about how I became a Christian? And then use that to influence other people, to share it with other people, inspire them. Um, now, we'll read in uh, Acts 2, 36 through 41, uh, Peter spoke in a specific way that uh, you don't hear a lot of other people in the Bible speaking just like he does, because I think he's appealing to his own story and where he came from. And so let's go ahead and read uh, 36 to 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I want to emphasize the you's because he does it all the time. Uh, so think about this for a second. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Um, we'll actually stop there and go over to Acts 3.13, because I want to give you another example of this. Acts uh, 3.13.15. It says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Wow, Peter. Like, I don't know if that's the best way to reach people. You know, like the, the guilt trip option. No, I don't think that that's what's happening. One more example. Acts 4.10, just one chapter over. Then know this, you and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Okay, here's the question. Why would Peter preach like that? <laughs> I mean, that sounds very much like the fire and brimstone that turns a lot of people off, right? And they say, well, I don't want anything to do with Christianity if it's like that. Why would Peter preach like this? I think Peter preached like this because he realized that he was guilty of Christ's death. Uh, he realized that he denied Christ. <laughs> Not once, but, but three times. And I, I think what he was trying to drive home is that we all have 
a personal responsibility for this. You guys have this personal responsibility, but he knows that he does too. And maybe we, you know, we, we don't hear all of the conversations that Peter has with these people, but I can only imagine that part of it is, is about that. So what, changes, what changed you? You know, think about what changed you. Uh, ultimately, we're all changed by the same message, and Peter is getting at it, that in our old lives, we were lost in our sin, but Christ gave himself for us on the cross in a perfect way and allows us to live a new life. But what is it about your old life that you couldn't stand anymore? You know, what is it about the way that you used to be where you say, man, I want to share this with people so that they can realize just the power of living by the Holy Spirit and not by the sinful nature? You know, maybe you grew up in a broken family, but you found true love, true acceptance in the body of Christ, and then created a family of your own that is totally different from what you grew up in, totally different from what you understood about love. Maybe that's the thing. You know, maybe you used to find your security in relationships. Maybe you learned about how Christ is the only one that can satisfy your desire for connection. And maybe that's the thing that won you over and now you can share that with somebody who's going through a similar situation. Maybe you were so overwhelmed by pain and suffering that uh, you saw in this world that you just decided, man, I'm just going to dull this pain with some kind of substance, uh, and wh whatever that thing might have been. But then you realize, man, there's actually a way to be fulfilled and joyful in this life. And a lot of it is about thinking about how great heaven is and how awesome the kingdom of God is. Man, I can be satisfied in the presence of God. Peter knew that even though he betrayed Jesus, he was still loved by him, and I think that that motivated him to do amazing things for the church. And we can be motivated too, but we've got to take that motivation and decide, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something different that I haven't ever done before. I'm going to be sure that I pray that the Holy Spirit would be involved in my life as I'm walking about my day so that I can listen to it so that when an opportunity appears, I can take that opportunity and I can glorify God with it. Uh, we're going to take advantage of the situations that God supplies. I mean, things like holidays, and that, that's great. But in your everyday life, take advantage of the opportunities that God provides. Uh, you, get, you get stopped by a train and uh, you, you are late to an appointment or whatever, you, whatever the thing might be. Take advantage of that opportunity. Use Scripture whenever you can. Whenever you can, because God's words, they cut, and they allow us really to change. And then finally, use your story. When we do this, uh, the results can be amazing. What if we were all doing these things all the time? Can you imagine what our fellowship might be like? Man, let's go ahead and uh, actually read what that might look like. Uh, go, go in Acts 2, verse 42. We'll close out with this, and I, I just would encourage you, hold on to one of these things, try something new, get out of your comfort zone, uh, not for the glory of yourself or for the church, but for the Lord. Let's talk about the fellowship of believers here in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God 
and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen.